You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm starting a brand new series called Elijah. And so we're going to be doing an in-depth study of Elijah over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be specifically looking this morning from 1 Kings chapter 17. So as you have your Bibles there with you this morning or your version Bible app, you can turn there, 1 Kings uh, 17. And to give you a little bit of a context of where we find uh, this a specific portion of scripture, uh, we find that the nation of Israel has actually been now separated into two separate kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, purely because of infighting and uh, disunity, have, they've broken away and they are now two kingdoms. And we find Elijah in the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And during this time, uh, we see that the Israel kingdom, the northern kingdom, has experienced some 19 consecutive evil leaders. Not just ineffective leaders, but evil leaders. That's about 200 years worth of evil leaders. And during this time, there would be leaders and kings that would, that would, uh, assume authority over, over Israel and they would turn the hearts of the people away from God, away from His standards and they would, uh, move them towards worshiping, uh, idols and mo- the most common one was Baal. And during this time, this type of worship, uh, was quite uh, uh, grotesque. They would often sacrifice their own children. They would often get involved in all kinds of sexual acts as, as, a, as a way of worshipping uh, this, this god of Baal or idol. And the Bible tells us that during this time, during Elijah, there was a specific king uh, known as Ahab. And even the word tells us that Ahab did the worst and even more in the evil in the, in the eyes of, of God than all the other kings. So Ahab was kind of the, the, the playing for the A team of evil kings, right? There were all of these evil kings before him and he was the worst out of them. And just to give you that context, Israel is in a perpetual state of some 200 years of evil kings. It is a time of uh, widespread scandals, widespread corruption, and really, it's a really dark time during the uh, during the history of Israel. It's really a dark time, and and you can draw some comparisons uh, to the time that we're living in. A time of corruption, a time of scandals, a time of not just ineffective leaders, but oftentimes very uh, uh, evil leaders and, and leaders without integrity. So there's a, there's this uh, comparison to the time that Elijah was living in and uh, often the time that we are living in. And so what God does as we look back into Elijah, what God does is... He says, enough is enough. I've had enough of these evil leaders. I've had enough of Ahab. I've had enough of his wife Jezebel, who is considered to be one of the most wicked women in the the Bible. I've had enough of them. And so interesting enough that God does not raise up an army to fight against Ahab. No, God does what He normally does. He raises up one person, and in this instance, one man, and his name is Elijah. And I believe that during this time that God really wants to raise up people, 
in the community, people in the marketplace, people in uh, places of influence, so that they can start making a difference in their world. That God is going to raise some of you to be business leaders that will take a stand for what is right and lead their business with integrity. That some of you, will, uh, God will raise up uh, to possibly go into politics. That you will then lead uh, uh, and and be a politician, a community leader, one that is uh, based on God's standard and one that is leading with integrity. I believe that God often raises up people to make a big difference. That God will often raise up one person or a small group of people that will make a very big difference. And so today I want to lay a foundation of understanding of Elijah. And so I've entitled this morning's message, The Making of a Person of God. So let's start with an understanding of what Elijah's name means. The word Elijah in the literal context means the Lord is Jehovah. It means my God is Jehovah. It means the Lord is my God. In essence, what he's doing by using Elijah is making a statement to the king Ahab that my Lord, the Lord God, is the one true God. And so when God is using Elijah to stand down uh, the king Ahab, what he's really going straight at is these false idols to say, all of these other things that you are worshipping, all of these other things that you are you uh, putting up as idols, they are false gods and I'm raising up someone that is going to come up against the very uh, thing that you are upholding as your God and is going to tear it down and is going to announce that my Lord is the one true God. And so uh, when we look at Elijah, we see that he is really first mentioned in the first chapter or, or chapter 17, the first verse of First Kings. And so we're going to pick up from there. We see no other background uh, of Elijah as a prophet before this. So let's read from verse 1. And it says, Elijah the Tishbite of the temporary residents in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew or rain these years, but according to my word. And so we see Elijah is not referred to as anything except from where he is from. Uh, so it's, it's Elijah the Tishbite. Uh, it's as if I, if I had to use myself, it would be like, okay, there's Brian from Pretoria. It's, he's using uh, where he's from as a place of identification. That will change soon, but we see that uh, he identifies himself firstly with where he's from. And in essence, he goes to King Ahab and he said, listen, there will be no rain, there will be no dew, uh, only at my word. So as I proclaim right now, as I stand, as, as, as I stand in the presence of the one true God, and you can already see he's going straight for those false, false uh, gods and false idols. He makes this pronouncement to Ahab and he says, for the next three years, there will be no rain, there will be no dew, there will be nothing except at my word. And to give you an understanding what this means, Israel was an agricultural driven uh, nation. 
Their whole economy, their whole existence was based on agriculture. And so if you have no rain, if you have no source of water, what happens? The, the whole economy not only slows down, it shuts down. All of us are talking about the economic downturn because of COVID and so on. This was a complete economic shutdown. There was, there will be nothing at, there will be no produce. There will be no, nothing at the shops if we had to take it into our context. There's no food at the shops. There's, uh, 80% unemployment rate. There's, uh, the banks are not only not lending, uh, money, but they're just not even giving your own money out. That is the place that Israel would find itself as the rain and the sustenance of what's needed to run the Israelite economy gets shut down. And so he makes, uh, Elijah makes this prophetic pronouncement to King Ahab to say for the next months and the next few years there will be no rain and no dew. And at this point you're thinking, well here it is, uh, Elisha is going to get uh, into a nice fight with Ahab. They're going to bust it out and, you know, Elijah is going to win. You know, he's poised for a fight with, with the king. That's what you would think would happen. But something strange happens that God leads Elijah away from Ahab. He leads him away from, from the northern kingdom, away he's in. So we look at the story up to now, we see that Elijah is, is identified as where he's from. He makes this pronouncement to Ahab to say, listen, there's not going to be any rain, there's not going to be any dew. In essence, the whole economy is going to shut down. And in that moment, God takes Elijah away. And he takes him into a season of hiding. Now, for those of you that don't know, you go through seasons in your life. You and I go through different seasons in our life. Some seasons are full of fruit. Some seasons are, uh, are not so much. We go through these different seasons. And every season has a purpose. And every season has a reason. And our seasons are not dictated to us by, by time. They are dictated to us and they are governed by revelation. And so in every season, there is something that God leads us into and God wants us to have a certain revealing, a certain revelation. He wants to have a certain understanding in the season that we're in. And so God removes Elijah from that time and he takes him into, uh, as we're going to see over the, uh, over the course of this uh, message, he takes him into three different seasons uh, as a, as a way of preparing him for what he wants to do in him. And so this morning, as we look at the seasons that Elijah goes through, we can also be encouraged by those seasons because oftentimes we will go through some of the same seasons that Elijah went through. And so the first season that we see God take Elijah through is the season of isolated pain. And so we see God take Elijah away so that he can do more in him. Why? Because there's so much more that God wants to do in you and in me uh, so that he can do much more through us. And over the next uh, period, we're going to see how God takes Elijah through these different seasons and uses those seasons to, to develop and shape a great man of faith. And he wants to do the same for you and for I. And we, it's almost as God is saying that there's so much more I need to do in you because there's so much more I want to do through you. 
And many of you would identify with these seasons or this uh, preparatory work that God does in Elijah. You see, because if God wants to do some great things through us, He's going to have to do some deep things within us. And so God takes Elijah away. We see Elijah stares down the king, pronounces there's not going to be any rain, there's not going to be any dew, because of obviously the evil things that the, the, the king has done. And in that moment, God takes Elijah away. And we see that in verses 2 and 3. And it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go from here and turn east and hide yourself by the brook Cherith east of the Jordan. And we see God say, say to Elijah, I want you not to move away from where you are. And I want you to go to this place, the brook Cherith. And I want you to hide yourself there. I want you to isolate yourself. In an instant, Elijah is placed in a in an area where he's isolated. He has nobody to turn to. He has nobody to, to depend on. He's got no friends. And this word Cherith in the original uh, Hebrew literally means to be cut down or cut off. To be cut off from the blessing. To be cut down. In a way what God is saying is I'm going to take you through a season where I'm going to cut you down. Almost like a tree gets down, cut down. I'm going to take you through a place of of humbling and I'm going to take you through a place where I'm going to cut you down because I want to do a great work in you and God is almost as if God is saying I'm going to take you through a season of breaking like, like, like a tree is broken or chopped down I'm going to take you through a place of breaking I'm going to cut you down I'm going to humble you I'm going to teach you to be totally dependent on me and I'm going to humble you privately because I want to use you Publicly, I'm going to take you down privately so I can use you publicly. And a lot of you could be going through this season of this brook cherry, this place of isolated pain, this, this place where you feel like you've been completely cut off and cut down and, and, and cut off from the blessing of God. And you're wondering, where is God? I want to encourage you this morning to tell you that God is right there with you. You might have been on the mountaintop and you feel like now you're in the valley where God is almost like chopping you down and breaking you down. And you're wondering, where is God? God is with you right there in the valley with you. God is with you in that brook Cherith. And we see that the God is taking Elijah to this brook Cherith and he's taking him down. And you might be saying, yes, I'm living there. That's where I am. You know, uh, I'm, I'm isolated. I'm full of pain. Uh, there are things that I used to depend on that I couldn't depend on anymore. I'm in this brook Cherith. And what God is saying to you and to, uh, to me that might find themselves in this brook Cherith, in the season of isolated pain, the season of being cut down. What he's saying is, no, you've got to understand. I'm doing something in you. This is not a punishment. This is not me forgetting about you. I'm doing something in you because we need to understand that we grow in times of discomfort. And so what this place that you might find yourself in, this place of isolated pain, this brook Cherith is a, is a place of growth. Very few things grow on the mountaintop. But if you look at the valley, it's full of growth. It's full of uh, vegetation. It's full of lush things. Things grow the most in the valley. And so we find Elijah for months on his own, nobody to talk to, 
Nobody understands this brook Cherith that he finds himself, finds himself in. And I want you to be encouraged this morning. I don't want you to look at this thing as, as an, an evil thing. I don't want you to look at this thing as something that, that God has left you. I want you to be encouraged this morning. Because the more God breaks you, the more that God is preparing you. And so we see Elijah in the season of isolated pain by the brook Cherith. And we see that over the next uh, couple of other seasons that God takes Elijah through, that God uses these seasons to shape him into a man of God, a man of faith, a man of power. And we see God now take Elijah into a season of total dependence. And we can see that from 1 Kings 17, 4-5, and it says, You shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he did according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook of Cherith, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And we see in this portion of scripture that, Elijah responds to the word of the Lord. God tells him, go to the brook Cherith. And Elijah responds, he goes to the brook Cherith. And, he, and God says to him, and I will, I, will, I will sustain you by the brook. Now, if you don't notice, you might miss it. Remember, there's a drought. There's no rain. There's no dew. But God does something in his style. and says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to provide for you in the midst of lack. I'm going to provide for you, even though there's no rain, there's no dew. I'm going to take you to a place, an isolated place that you uh, perceive as a place of pain, as a place of isolation. I'm still going to provide for you in that place. And he says says to him, I'm going to call the ravens to bring you meat and they will bring you bread in the morning and they will bring you bread and meat in the evening. And so what, what is God saying in essence? And God is in essence saying and very clearly and distinctly stating that no matter what and for always, I will be faithful. You can count on me to provide for you. God takes Elijah to a place of isolation, to a place where there should be nothing, to, to a place that should have no sustenance. And he causes water to flow in the midst of a drought and provide for Elijah. God is saying to Elijah, in, 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 in whatever season that you find yourself in, I am faithful and I will provide for what you need. And God is saying the same thing to you this morning. In whatever season you find yourself, and you f- might find yourself in this brook cherith season, God says, I will still send the ravens, I will still cause the waters to flow to sustain you because I am faithful and I will provide for what you need. And really what God does in the season, God removes the things that Elijah could depend on. See, he could no longer depend on the rain. He could no longer depend on, 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 um, on hunting. He could no longer depend on the things that he could depend on. And a lot of you might be in a season where the things that you used to depend on have been taken away. It might have been your job. It might have been an income source. It could have been a family member. You're in a season where the very things that you used to depend on, you no longer can, no longer can depend on. Everything that you used to find security and trust in has faded away. 
And really what God is saying is, is, is saying that, look, I want to take you to a place where those things you no longer can depend on, but you can see that I am the one that you can depend on. I am the one that will provide for you. I am the one that will cause the ravens to come. I am the one that will cause the waters to flow even in a drought. I will be the one and I am the one that will bring sustenance in a place of lack. And really what God is saying is, when you can't depend on what you used to be able to depend on, I will deliver what you need. And the interesting thing here is that God doesn't send uh, two weeks worth of food. He doesn't send Elisha two days worth of food. God sends only enough for that day. Ravens came in the morning and they came in the evening. And God only sends enough for the day. And you might be in a place where you're saying, I am uncomfortable. And God is saying, I will be your comfort for today. You might be saying there's no sustenance and God is saying I will be your provider for the day. You might be saying I have no strength left in me and God is saying I will be your strength for today. He might not bring more than what you need, but he will bring exactly what you need. And in the season of total dependence, God is, is, is teaching Elijah to depend on him. God is humbling him. God is breaking him. God is teaching him. And God is really teaching him when he has no ability to provide for himself. God is teaching him, I will always be your provider. And so now we come to the last portion or the last season that God is taking Elijah uh, in this portion of his life through. And so we've had the season of isolated pain, the season of total dependence and now we come to this last season that we can see of unconditional obedience and let's pick up from verse 7 and it says after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain rain in the land and the word of the Lord came to him arise go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there behold I've commanded a widow there to provide for you and if you have your Bibles this morning or your Version Bible app open, I want you to underline or highlight after a while. You see, there was a season. The, these things didn't happen in three consecutive days. There was, a, there was a period between each season. There was a period between each uh, season that God was taking Elijah through. And here it says, and after a while, what happened? The brook dried up. Okay. I'm, I'm a bit confused. I thought that God was providing for Elisha. And He was. And so Elisha has been there for a few months. Elisha has gotten used to the provision. He understands there's a brook that's, that's, that's providing water in the midst of a drought. There's ravens that are coming in the morning and the evening. And so Elisha has gotten to a place where he knows the provision is coming. And he understands uh, how it's working. And all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And God says to Elijah, I want you to get up from where you are and I want you to go to another place where you will find a, a widow that will provide for you. You see, oftentimes what happens is things that are providing for us sometimes dry up. 
And even though God is a provider, and even though that we say that God leads by what He provides, and often as preachers will say where there's vision, there's provision, and those are absolutely true. God will often, and, and most of the time, He will provide for His purpose. He will provide for the vision that God has placed on you and I. But God also leads by what He doesn't provide. You see, you need to understand that often God will cut off certain things in order to get us to move from the place we are at to go to the place where we're supposed to be. And a lot of times we get so confused by this thing because we start to question whether we heard God in the first place. And so if you're in a place where that thing has been cut off, where the thing that you used to be able to depend on, you can't depend on, or God has been supernaturally providing for you in a specific season, and all of a sudden that provision has been cut off, it's not because you did something wrong. It's not because God is upset with you. And it might not even be because you heard God incorrectly the first place. It could just be that God is cutting off the supply that you've gotten used to and possibly comfortable with in order to force you to get you to go to where you go, need to go, to force you to take the next step, to force you to, to take the action towards where you are going. You see, God may cause the brook to dry up, to give us the courage to leave where we are and to go where we are supposed to be. And so now we see that the brook is dried up and God instructs uh, Elijah to go to Zarephath where he's going to find the widow that's going to provide for him. And so he does what God tells him to do. He travels a couple of hundred kilometers and he walks up to uh, the, the widow's house. He knocks on the door. She opens the door and he says to her, look, I'm very hungry. I'm thirsty. Please give me something to eat and something to drink. And she kind of looks at him and as if to say, where have you been? Uh, do you not know what's happening? There's a drought. There's no rain. There's no water. There's no food. In essence, we're waiting here to die. I've got a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my last meal. And me and my son are just eat that. And we're just going to wait uh, to die, basically. And because of what Elijah has been through, and because of the way he's seen God provide for him supernaturally, he looks at the situation and he speaks faith to it. He looks at the woman and says, no, it's not going to happen. He looks at an impossible situation and he speaks faith to it. And he tells the woman, as long as I'm here, your oil will not run out and your flour will not run out. Now go and make some food and let us eat. And so she go, she does that and sure enough, the Oil doesn't run out and the flour doesn't run out. And they're sustained on that little, little bit supernaturally for the next few months. And then tragedy strikes. The widow's son dies unexpectedly. And she turns to Elijah and says to him, Is this the reason why you came? Is this the reason why you found me here? So that you can pronounce judgment on my family. So you can pronounce judgment on my son because of what I've done and because of the fact that I've turned and, and worshipped false, false gods. And what Elijah does next is quite extraordinary. It's something that we have not seen up to that point 
in the account of the Bible. It had never happened before this moment with Elijah. Elijah takes the dead boy's body up to the upper room, lays him flat, and he says to God, God, I believe that you can heal him. I believe that you can raise him. And he prays to God, and sure enough, the dead boy is raised back to life. The dead boy's body is full of life and energy, and it's almost as if he's just woken up from a, from a long nap. And in the beginning of my sermon, I told you that God doesn't take us through seasons for no reason. That the, to every season in our life, there is a re- reason, and even difficult ones. And seasons aren't governed by time, they're governed by revelation. And we see Elijah has gone through different seasons. He's gone through the, 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 the brook Cherith where God cuts him down and, and breaks him so that he can do something greater through him. We see that he now moves to the place or the brook dries up and the thing that he used to be able to depend on, he cannot depend on anymore. And God takes him and moves him to a place where, where not where he needs to be, but where he is supposed to be. God moves him by drying the brook to the place where he needs to be so that God can have his purpose in that situation. And we see because of what Elijah has been through, we see him perform a miracle that has never happened before, raising someone from the dead. All of those seasons were seasons of preparation so that God could do and have his purpose in in a situation. You see, God will often use the horrible things in our lives to shape us into the person of God He needs us to be. And some of you right now might be going through a deep season of isolation and pain. And really what God is saying this morning says, I'm doing something great in you so I can do something great through you. Remember right in the beginning in verse 1 that Elijah was described as where he was from. He was only known as where he was from. Now it turns and he is now known as from whom he's from. He raises the young boy from the dead and the widow looks at him and says, Now I know that you are a man from God. In verse 1 he says, This is a man from Tishbite. In 23 verses later, he's known as a man of God. You see, God will take you through different seasons and God will take you through different things. And a lot of those things will be painful. There will be, you will feel like you're getting crushed. You will feel like you're getting broken. It's because God wants to break those things that are not necessary and wants to break those things that are restricting you so that He can take you to where you need to be. And so that at one point, after you've gone through the season of isolated pain and total dependence and unconditional obedience, that in the same way that the woman, the widow looked at Elijah and said, you are a man of God, the same way people in your world will look at you and say, you are a person of God. And that you will do great things in your world and you will make great changes and make, get, make great differences in your world in the same way that Elisha did in, in the place that he was placed in. And so this morning I want to encourage you to put your faith in God, put your trust in God. That God will provide for you even in the season where there seems to be no provision. Where everything is dried up and there's a drought. God will take you to a place, a brook that will feed you and He will send ravens. But also know that somewhere along the line, God will cause the brook to dry up so that He can move you into the place where you are meant to be. 
Never forget that God has you right where He wants you to be. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. And He will never bring you to a place that He is not there. He will never lead you to a place where He is not there. He is right there with you. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.